0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com.
1: That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash the Show.
1: Is it a ban or is it not a ban? Donald Trump says it is a ban. Travel ban. All caps. Hello, everybody. Settles that, doesn't it? Tuesday, June 6th. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. The Bill Press Show. Here we are all together again to talk about the news of the day. Find us here in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill, and we catch up with you wherever you are. Across this great land of ours, coast to coast, on YouTube, on uh, our uh, podcast as well, and on Free Speech TV, with the news from Washington, D.C., around the country, and around the globe, Donald Trump continuing to tweet like a madman, which he is, uh, attacking the mayor of London, his own attorney general, uh, and anybody else who gets anywhere close to being in his sights. We'll bring you up to date on all of that and look forward to hearing from you your take on the latest uh, tweet storm from the White House. Give Send us your comments on Twitter, at uh, BP Show. And the top stories, yes, Donald Trump doubling down on his attacks on Mayor uh, Sadiq Khan of, um, of, uh, of London. Donald Trump talking so much about uh, the travel ban that his lawyers are warning him, please shut up or you're going to hurt your case before the Supreme Court. The White House saying Donald Trump will not use executive privilege to block James Comey from testifying as if he could. And, yes, one Republican congressman says the answer to uh, terrorism is just to round up anybody who's suspected of being a radical Islamist and kill them all. There we go. How simple it is. All the news of the day coming up and your comments. But first...
2: This is the Full Court Press.
1: Just a couple of other stories making
3: news. Okay, Bill, I yes. know you're a big yes. Alexa guy. You've got your Amazon Echo, right?
1: I do. I don't use her as much as I should.
3: Well, yesterday, Apple unveiled their competitor, the I
2: HomePod. I'm worried.
3: It works a lot like Alexa does. In fact, it has less features than Alexa. But one thing really? that they did do is they invested heavily into the audio quality. They say that the surround sound will fill a room with music. Uh, they have six microphones. They can pick up your voice in any direction. And that it will essentially act as your home assistant.
1: I have a problem with Alexa, which is every time I ask for the weather, she gives me the weather from Bethesda. Think and I, you could, I think you could yeah, sounds it. like you need to tweak something there. You I, that. Yeah, I've tried. I, I f- can't figure it out. I, and I get very angry at her. I say, Alexa, damn it!
3: <laughs> Here's my thing. If you willingly bring in a machine that records your voice at all times into your home, I don't think that's a great idea. So I won't be having it. It only
1: does life. when you talk to it.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I bet that's true.
1: I'm sure that's true. But if you don't say her name... She's not listening.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm sure you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
3: And, 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 like, people, like, if you have a camera on your computer, it's not recording you unless you tell it to,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Just saying that makes me realize how dumb it is. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. You're being listened right. to, buddy. That's all I'm saying. Bill Maher is still in a little bit of hot water over his yeah. use of a racial slur. You Tell know me the one Why I'm would he say about. that? Because he's
1: he an idiot. That. He is.
3: He used it on Real Time with Bill Maher over the weekend, and Senator Al Franken has canceled his upcoming appearance on the show. Al Franken is out promoting his book. He was supposed to appear this weekend on Real Time with Bill Maher, but he has told several media outlets he is not going to appear on the show anymore because... Bill Maher casually used such a horrible yeah, term.
1: right. And, and by the way, can I also say, so Ben Sass, who was the senator who was Ben's Ben Sass, yes. Ben Sass, yes. right. He has a book out. Why would Bill Maher book Ben's ass? <laughs> this conservative right-winger from DeBrabble, why would he even put him on the show? I mean, that that to me, that was the first sin.
3: Liberals— love bill maher a lot of them do i am not one of them
1: the larger question is why is the show still on air i can't believe at least still take a break after this Seriously? don't go
3: on air on friday serious
1: yeah uh, politically incorrect or politically, politically correct yeah i, I love that show and i did that show a lot
2: your radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show.
1: What do you say on a Tuesday, June 6th? Are you ready? Let's go. The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, with the news of the day, particularly the news here from Washington, D.C. Good to join you. Good to see you. Thank you for being part of the program. How about it? Well oh, man, there is so much going on. you got to run so fast to keep up with the news of the day. Uh, That's our job. We bring it to you and look forward to hearing from you what you think about it all. Your take on the news of the day is just as important as ours is. We're joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're there with you on Free Speech TV. How about it? You're looking good, coast to coast on Free Speech TV. Out in Chicago, we're with you on WCPT all over the Chicago area and uh don't forget you can catch our podcast every day. Talk to a couple of friends last night who uh, joined us on podcast the daily uh, by just going to dot com or to iTunes. and we are now with you on patreon patreon.com's new service all all exclusive features uh that we have put up there for your um for your enjoyment and for a very small monthly fee. so check it out at patreon.com and join the Bill, Bill Press Patreon team. It's Bill Press. No, it's patreon.com slash bpshow. You got it. All right. Yes, indeed. Where do we start? We start again with the um, the the spat. Why? Why? Who knows? Between Donald Trump and the mayor of London. He started out, Donald Trump, of course, totally. Uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. In fact, the whole th- this whole conversation comes under... Donald Trump, mad tweeter. He just could not help himself. After the terrorist attack in London on Saturday, he just went berserk all day Sunday and even continued into yesterday, Uh, and probably the worst of them, uh, we'll talk about several, was his uh, misrepresentation, total misrepresentation and subsequent attack on the mayor of London for telling the people of London Donald Trump claimed, well, so what? Seven people were killed by terrorists, but don't be alarmed. There's nothing to worry about. That's not what the mayor said. What the mayor said, you know, this is outrageous. I'm paraphrasing here. We're going to get on top of it. We're going to go after these guys. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again after the third terrorist attack on British soil in three months. And he said, and as a part of that is, you're going to see a heavy response on the part of law enforcement. There are going to be more police officers on the street, more police officers uh, uh, patrolling. Uh, armed. And he said, and, and so that's, this is, they are to, they're there to protect you. No reason to be alarmed about the presence of all those police officers. That's what the mayor was saying. Donald Trump misrepresented it. And then when the mayor did not even feel it was necessary to respond to such a slur, but when reporters and others pointed out that Donald Trump had just misrepresented what he said, then Donald Trump tweets again and says lame attempt by the mayor to explain his remark and the mainstream media is trying to sell that lame excuse by the mayor no it's not it's what the mayor said quote unquote you know what the mayor said mayor for him for his part was uh yesterday talked to a couple of reporters where he uh, he 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 took the high road i think first of all that as far as <coughs> Pardon me. Responding to every one of Donald Trump's tweets, he's got more important fish to fry.
4: My focus uh, since Saturday has been dealing with the horrific attack on our city, on Londoners, and on visitors. I've really not got time to respond to Trump's from, t- tweets from Donald Trump.
1: Uh, a very appropriate, dignified response. That's the
3: response yes. I want from my world leader.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like if they, like, uh,
3: I want that guy running my country.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mayor Sadiq Khan of London, Uh, and um, the mayor also then appearing on television saying, yeah, and Donald Trump is going to come here to meet the Queen, and we're supposed to roll out the red carpet for him? No way.
4: I don't think we should be rolling out the red carpet to uh, the president of the USA in the circumstances where his policies go against everything we stand for. Mm -hmm.
1: At the briefing yesterday, by the way, uh, I wasn't able to make the briefing yesterday, but one reporter did ask the question that I would have asked, is Donald Trump attacking Sadiq Khan only because, or at least partly because he's a Muslim? Here was Sarah Sanders. There are going to be folks who are going to ask the question, was the president attacking the mayor of London because he's Muslim?
5: Not at all. And I think to suggest something like that is utterly ridiculous.
1: No. By the way, I I don't think it's utterly ridiculous at all. It's not utterly ridiculous coming from Donald Trump. Who wants to ban all Muslims, including Sadiq Khan. Yeah. from Yeah. Last year, during the, when he came out with his Muslim ban, somebody pointed out that means the mayor of London would not be allowed in the United States of America under his Muslim ban. And Donald Trump says, oh, um, I'd make an exception for the mayor of London. That's utterly ridiculous. ridiculous. That's, not yeah. how, that's not how this totally, works. Totally, totally utterly ridiculous.
3: You know, it, it is, it, it's kind of disheartening to watch this all happen. Because just listen to S- Sadiq Khan's comments about, you know, not worrying about what Donald Trump has to say. Even George W. Bush, who we talked about as being a terrible, terrible president, he treated <coughs> our allies with some respect, for God's sake.
1: He also, one of the best things... And that's gone. Oh, no, it's gone. Totally gone. And one of the best things, of course, that George W. Bush did right after, day after, two days after maybe... September 11, he went to the mosque here in Washington, D.C. and said, we are not at war with Islam. Islam is a peaceful religion, and we are one with uh, m- the vast majority of the world's Muslims who, who condemn this kind of violence. Um, so that's, the, that, that's, that's one set of tweets, if you will, uh, dealing with the mayor. The other set of tweets that Donald Trump could not resist doing is uh, it's kind of twofold. He attacked his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, by the way, big article in the New York Times this morning saying that Donald Trump is now fed up with Jeff Sessions, doesn't like Jeff Sessions anymore. Even though nobody was more loyal to Donald Trump during the campaign than Jevy Sessions, right? (laughs) No, nobody. He was the first senator and for a long time the only senator to endorse him. I think the only one in the primary. I'm pretty sure. Uh, And then, of course, he's attorney. Donald Trump thinks that he – uh, was a a, um, a wimp for re- recusing himself from the Russian investigation. And he also thinks, and this is, gets, gets back to the tweets, he attacked uh, Jeff Sessions for what he called a watered-down travel ban that they have appealed to the Supreme Court. And Donald Trump says he should have stuck to the original version. Now, two things about that. Number one is Donald Trump calls it, in all caps, again, A travel ban. A travel ban. A travel ban. When the White House and the lawyers for Donald Trump, who are going to argue this case in front of the Supreme Court, have been turning themselves inside out to say, no, 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 it's not a ban. People,
3: the lawyers, and the courts can call it whatever they want, but I am calling it what we need and what it is, a, all caps, travel ban. Ban. That That's the Donald
1: Trump's from Donald tweet, Trump. exactly. Now, just to show you to what extent the White House has tried to shoot this down, particularly here you'll hear Sean Spicer, but this is a little montage put together by MSNBC uh, where from the White House you hear both sides of
6: this question. First of all, it's not a travel ban.
4: We're going to have a very, very strict
6: ban? It can't be a ban. It's a 90-day ban. It's not a travel ban. The ban deals with seven countries. (laughs) That is by nature not a ban. This is a ban on travel. That's not a ban. President Trump (laughs) stood yesterday if the ban were announced with a one-week notice the bad would rush into our country during that week. So he says it's a ban. At the end of the day, it can't... Hold on, hold on, hold on. It can't be... It can't be... More people would have flooded into the country in a short amount of time to take advantage before the ban went into effect. I'm not confused. I think that the words that are being used to describe it are derived from what the media is calling this. No, 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 no. It's not the media
1: calling it a ban. Sorry, Sean. It is your boss. It's the president of the United States who has said definitively now, definitively, travel ban. Peter, you just read the the tweet again. All caps. That's not a ban. (laughs) The second part of this is, wait a minute, Donald Trump is attacking the Justice Department for uh, appealing to the Supreme Court using what he calls the second version of his travel ban, the watered down politically correct version, Donald Trump called it in a tweet. Well, who signed that second executive order? Right? Donald Trump did. It's not the Justice Department is not some outside agency. It's part of his administration. And the travel ban, the second version of it, is not something That somebody just cooked up over in the Justice Department. It came out of the White House and Donald Trump signed it. Does he remember signing it? I mean, it's just. Uh, Probably not. Yeah.
3: Does he remember what he had for breakfast yesterday? Probably not. No, it's insane.
1: So that's so here we are now with the Trump storm keeping track. Right. We got the mayor. We got the travel ban attacks on the Justice Department. And then Donald Trump comes out. With a tweet yesterday and attacks the Democrats for being such obstructionist and not s- confirming his, his ambassadors. So they've got all these vacant posts out there, particularly ambassadorial posts, and there's nobody in them. And he calls the Democrats obstructionist because of that. Where, in fact, as many people pointed out yesterday, the problem is not. That Democrats have not held confirmation hearings or voted for these people. The problem is Donald Trump hasn't appointed them. There are hundreds and hundreds of vacancies in ambassador posts around the world. China is a big one. We don't have an ambassador to China. Don't even have an acting ambassador to China. I'll get to that in a minute. But so their ambassador posts. There are undersecretaries, assistant secretaries, deputy secretaries in every agency in Washington. State Department, most of the positions under Tillerson are still empty. Why? Donald Trump hasn't appointed anybody. Mitch McConnell said, (laughs) even, that we're ready to appoint him, Donald Trump, or we're ready to confirm him. They can't confirm a nobody, right? They can't confirm somebody that Donald Trump hasn't named, hasn't appointed so um and this got this had everybody scratching their head particularly republicans on the hill. Yeah.
3: Politico has a whole big piece by our our friend uh Sungmin Kim th- this morning. Uh, how Trump is stalling his own nominees, <laughs> thats what it's called. Yeah. Uh, just to quote a little bit from it, Trump capped Kevin McAleenan, McAleenan on March 30th to lead Customs and Border Protection, a critical position for his drive to revamp U.S. immigration policy, but the White House didn't formally submit his nomination to the Senate for confirmation until eight weeks later. So <laughs> two months. Yeah. And like He announces the pick, and then he waits two months to send in the nomination. And that's just the one that he actually has sent the nomination in for. Right? Uh, There have been other guys who were announced. There was a guy announced on April 3rd. His nomination wasn't sent until May 16th. He just sits on them.
1: All right. So, um, you know, we are just down the street from the United States Congress. I don't pretend to be an expert on how Congress works. I've never worked there. Uh, I've never served there. But I do tell you this, that... The Congress cannot confirm anybody who hasn't been appointed. All right. That's just a basic rule. Okay. I, take that to the bank. And that's the problem, Donald Trump's tweets. So then we get to the final uh, part of this whole tweet story that we're starting off with this morning. And that is Mr. and Mrs. Conway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Conway, who uh, was going to be um, solicitor general or something, he was on track to get a great big uh, job out of the White House, Kellyanne Conway's husband. Uh, a very successful New York attorney, Uh, he dropped out of, uh, took himself out of the running for that job a couple of days ago. Uh, And yesterday, maybe he's getting a little fed up with Donald Trump because yesterday he basically said publicly, and he tweeted himself, Donald Trump, if he really is serious about winning this case in front of the Supreme Court, uh, Mr. Conway said, Donald Trump ought to just stop tweeting. Shut up. Stop calling it a travel ban. Because your lawyers are trying to make the argument, it's not a ban. It's some kind of executive privilege regulation that the president has full authority to do, but it's not a ban in So Mr. Comey says, stop tweeting. Shut up, Donald Trump. You're getting your lawyers in
3: trouble. Here's what George Conway tweeted. By the way, his last tweet was from December of 2015. So he doesn't tweet a lot. He doesn't tweet a lot. Yeah. He doesn't tweet a lot. And out of nowhere, yesterday, he quote tweeted Donald Trump's uh, uh, travel ban tweet and said, These tweets may make some people feel better, but they certainly won't help OSG, the Office of Solicitor General, get five votes in SCOTUS, which is what actually matters. Sad. And then, (laughs) after about three hours, people freaked out. And he said, "Just to be clear, and in response to inquiries, I'm still very, very, very strongly support of POTUS, his administration policies, the executive order, and of course my wonderful wife. Oh, but every yeah. sensible lawyer in the White House <laughs> and <laughs> every political appointee in <laughs> DOJ agree with me. The point cannot be stressed enough that tweets on legal matters seriously undermine administration's agenda." Yeah. And, and goes on and
1: on. What do you and on tell on. your client? If you're a lawyer with well, a right, what thing do you, you mean, tell your client? Is <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Shut, shut up. up. Right. Alberto Gonzalez, um, who was George W. Bush's attorney general, of course, uh, not a person that I have any particular respect for, but yesterday he commented that uh, in this uh, particular case on the travel ban that Donald Trump has uh, the best lawyers possible and they have the worst possible client. Uh, And now the other member of the Conway family, Kellyanne Conway, no, 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 she was on the Today Show yesterday, and all this flap about the president tweets no, no, no. It's not his fault. Of course, it's the media's fault because we have this obsession.
6: But, you know, this obsession with covering everything he says well, on Twitter and very little well, of what he does that's, as that's
3: president. His, that's his preferred method of communication with the American that's not people. True. Well, he hasn't given an interview in three weeks, so that so lately it has been his preferred method.
1: That is, uh, on on the Today Show, I've um, Craig Melvin filling in Craig, there for Matt Lauer I thought that sounded right, like right Craig Melvin. Craig right, Melvin yeah right so so she's saying if you picked it up there right we have this obsession with his tweets and we pay more attention so much attention to them and very little attention to what the president has has what Donald Trump has done as president i mean wait first of all two true? things wrong with that one he's president of the united states sadly everything the president says or does any president for all time is news, okay? You cannot just say, don't pay attention to what he says. It's just, he's just Donald Trump talking. No, no, no. He's president of the United States. Everything he says or tweets or does is news, number one. Number two, what do you mean pay attention to what he's done as president? He hasn't done a damn thing as president. I mean, he hasn't accomplished anything. I mean, he, he takes credit for millions and millions of jobs and for, you know, stopping the world, basically. He hasn't done anything. He didn't they haven't repealed Obamacare, they haven't done anything about tax reform, he hasn't built the wall. Uh, he he yeah, he's pulled out of the climate change thing, but hasn't done anything to, to to positive at all. No accomplishments whatsoever. He claims a million jobs uh and if you actually look at the labor department numbers for from January through June it's about 600,000 jobs, almost half of what Donald Trump claims. So yeah, if he did more as president, maybe we pay less attention to his tweets. That was a whole tweet storm of yesterday. The other thing I've got to mention, which really, really frosted me, is that last night, Donald Trump and the First Lady had a reception in the East Room of the White House. They had a reception. Can you believe how just outrageous this is? They That they would dare to do this. They held a reception in the East Room last night for Gold Star Families. Yes, we know and we remember how much Donald Trump, how much respect Donald Trump has for Gold Star families. We remember last July in Philadelphia, Mr. and Mrs. Kazir Khan addressing the Democratic delegates to the convention.
4: Donald Trump, you're asking Americans to trust you with their future. Let me ask you... Have you even read the United States Constitution?
1: <laughs> what a moment that was. Remember, he said, I would gladly you lend you my copy. And keeps a he copy in his pocket. Keeps that copy in his pocket, and he yeah. held it up. That was such a dramatic moment. And then, of course, what did Donald Trump do? They were there, of course, because their son, their Gold Star family, their son, Captain Khan, was killed in Iraq. Put then a, a Muslim. Laid down his life in Iraq for the United States of America, a Muslim American, uh, and Donald Trump attacked the father and attacked the mother because he said she just stood there and didn't say anything. And, you know what a coward she was because she wouldn't speak. It was just the one of the worst, the most disgusting things Donald Trump ever did during the that since you know he's been a candidate or in the public eye. Th-
3: the fact that. We elected him president after that whole episode, and, and like, I look. I know there was a lot of stuff that happened during the campaign, and it's hard to pinpoint one it thing is, but- that was the most grotesque thing. But attacking that family, I don't, I don't think we fully had a chance to stop and realize how much of an asshole he acted like during that whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: no, that was unbelievable. To me, that was worse than the uh, Access Hollywood tape. Was it too. was
2: horrible.
1: Yeah, it was just, you know. It was
2: horrible.
1: As bad as that was, right? Yeah. All that language. No, this, this, going after that, that family. Yeah. Uh, and what has he done, right? Yeah.
3: And to turn around and have a reception but for that, Gold Star families?
1: Yeah. I'm telling you. Oh, boy. I said this about being in the Rose Garden last week. I just expected lightning to strike any time. Yeah. Right? All the lies he was telling. You expect lightning to strike last night because of the hypocrisy. One other thing we learned um, yesterday uh, and uh, out of the Trump White House, remember the big question that we've been asking is with James Comey scheduled to testify in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee on Thursday, would Donald Trump uh, use executive privilege, saying that was a private conversation with my FBI director, to try to prevent Comey from testifying? A lot of questions about whether he even could whether the Senate Intelligence Committee would hold a hearing anyway, they could, maybe defy the president, or James Comey could certainly walk out front of the Capitol and talk to reporters and tell them what he was going to say. So there was that whole question. But at any at any case, at the briefing yesterday, Sarah Sanders filling in for the mysteriously absent Sean Spicer, who was in the building but was not allowed to give the briefing yesterday. Sarah uh, so Sanders saying, nope, executive privilege, We have the right, but we're not going to use
5: it. President Trump will not assert executive privilege regarding James Comey's scheduled testimony.
1: There it is. Flat statement. Uh, I think they realize that uh, if Donald Trump tried to block James Comey from testifying, uh, the proverbial you-know-what would hit the fan big time.
3: It's nice to know that even he has some limits. (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah, right.
3: Because I, I had not ruled out that he would just shut it down.
1: I think if he tried to do that, he knows that Republican senators would say, "Uh-uh, no, that's it." You're probably right. Yeah, that might even be- them. That could no. that no. could have been the tipping point.
3: Yeah, it could have been. Could uh, have been.
1: And a little news on uh, climate change. Uh, I mentioned that we no longer have uh, any, even an acting ambassador to China, and that is because yesterday our acting ambassador to China resigned. Uh, said he could no longer represent a president or an administration that had pulled out of the Paris accords on climate change uh and therefore submitted his uh, resignation which leaves that post vacant uh also remember um one big lie during the that we talked we talked about all of them one big lie during the president's announcement uh last Thursday in the rose garden about pulling out of Paris was that we had to do this because those big polluters, China and India, and were just going to keep building more coal plants, and, uh, and we were prevented from building more coal plants, and that's what we had to do. Uh, as several people pointed out, no, he's got it absolutely backwards. In fact, uh, we, we have the opportunity to really, in, in terms of new jobs and future jobs, the future is in renewable energy solar and wind, that's where we ought to be moving. And by getting out of Paris, we're going to see the leadership in those two areas to, guess who, China and India. Uh, New York Times this morning, big article on the front page about China. There are three million renewable energy jobs in China now, and they are building new solar installations all over the country. They are moving away from coal as fast as they're bullet trains go. We don't even have a bullet train We don't even have that. Uh, And both China and India surging ahead now in renewable energy in the United States. We're going to get our clock cleaned in that area because we're going in the opposite direction thanks to Donald Trump.
3: If you had said under the presidency of Barack Obama that we're going to get lapped by China on renewable energy, I, I would not have believed it. And yet, here we are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Seating way. Trying to Donald Trump saying, basically, okay, we'll pull out of this, and you guys can this. The future is yours. New technology, it's all yours. We're not going to compete." Uh, very, very bad news. Which the American people recognize, by the way. Uh, the Washington Post, ABC News, out with a new poll this morning. Fifty nine percent of Americans say it was a mistake to pull out of the Paris Accords. Only 28% support it. This is this is Donald Trump's policy, right? This this is how out of tune he is with the American people. 55% say this is going to hurt the United States' position of leadership around the world. What Donald Trump did. 51% say it's going to really uh, hurt international efforts to do anything about climate change. And interesting, 42% say that this is going to have a very severe negative impact on the American economy. 59% of Americans say Donald Trump did the wrong thing in pulling out of Paris. What's happening on the immigration front? I say one thing is happening is the religious left is making this an issue and refusing to uh, bend over for Donald Trump and his anti-immigrant policies. Jack Jenkins and Esther Lee from Think Progress join us next uh, to talk about uh, this amazing resistance on the part of the religious left. Stay tuned we'll be right back.
4: I don't think we should be rolling out of the red carpet to uh, the president of the USA in the circumstances where his policies go against everything we stand for. Get social with
2: Bill press like us at facebookcom Bill press show. This is the Bill press show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, here we go. We're back on a Tuesday, June 6th. Great to see you
1: today. And again, thank you for joining us coast to coast for The uh, Bill Press Show and uh, our little uh, panel discussion now of the news of the day. We're brought to you today, coming to you from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yep, those good men and women of our firefighting departments across the country. They're on the front lines every day protecting America families. We count on them. They never let us down under President Harold Schaedberger, and we invite you to check out their website, iaff.org. We hear a lot about the religious right. Uh, I am a proud member of the religious left, and I think the answer to the religious right is more raising hell by the religious left <laughs> i'm glad to hear that that's happening uh as reported by uh, esther lee and jack jenkins both from think progress esther the immigration reporter and jack the senior religion reporter both frequent guests on the program <laughs> and here they are tag team today together yeah. in the studio welcome both of you guys good
5: thanks morning bill yeah hey, Peter. hello <laughs> thanks
1: uh, for coming in <laughs> I want to talk a little immigration, a little mm-hmm. climate change, uh, and maybe a little Muslim ban, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's we'll talk so, about all of it. You're about to say really uplifting topics. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Let's start with sanctuary cities. Uh, Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump are on the warpath. What's happening uh, uh, across the community, across the country?
5: Well, I can tell you what's happening on the state level. So there are some states like Texas right now that are trying to get rid of the sanctuary cities and forcing um, a lot of local police to report, to detain undocumented immigrants and then turn them over to uh, federal immigration agents. But
1: isn't it a city-by-city decision?
5: It's Well, so there's, as you know, Trump is trying to make it into a federal thing. Sure, He's just naming and shaming the cities that are not turning over immigrants. So, you would think it's a city by city decision, but they do have federal funds that could be withheld, and Trump has threatened to do that um so while a lot of cities are saying we are welcoming environments for immigrants, they may not necessarily declare themselves to be sanctuary cities at this point
1: right uh how many cities have pulled po- I know Miami pulled out right
5: um I believe Miami pulled out, but I also think that there are a lot more uh police departments that are saying they are stepping it up and saying. You know what? We think that this is best for our public safety if we continue welcoming immigrants and having them report crimes to us, because ultimately that's what's important when it comes to um, being a welcoming city for immigrants.
1: Yeah. So, Jack, you and Esther have written about uh, that. Actually, this is so some churches are involved in this. Mm -hmm. And also individuals in their own private homes? Right. So
0: one of the, in addition to sanctuary cities and then sanctuary campuses, there's a thing called the New Sanctuary Movement, which is um, churches and synagogues and mosques um, and other houses of worship um, that, that are declaring their worship spaces sanctuary. And this actually goes back to 2014 in terms of this new sanctuary movement of taking in undocumented immigrants and you, you, you keep them in the physical buildings of your church or your um, synagogue, et cetera. And then well, you basically dare the um, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement to come get them because they have an internal memo that says that it's uh, – diffi- they, 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 they don't prioritize raiding churches, um, hospitals, and schools. And so it, 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 that's an internal memo. That's not against the law for them to do that. But they, they, they hope by harboring them in their um, worship spaces that they're able to get ICE to back down. And it's been relatively successful now attached to
5: that
1: so you mean the ice agents are reluctant to storm into a synagogue right, right. or into a mosque and, and arrest people it
5: would be a publicity you know like nightmare if they did that right. can you imagine like
1: oh i can imagine it <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> well, the Jeff Sessions stormtroopers doing that? <laughs> and this goes back to the
0: 1980s, which is the original sanctuary movement when people were fleeing from Central America across the U.S.-Mexico border. And uh, the federal government uh, would not designate these people as refugees for a number of reasons. And so faith communities along the border said, well, we're going to take them anyway. And then what happened is all these different churches started, you know, in direct defiance of federal law, taking in communities. And one of the other things they did was allow people to stay in their homes. And that's something called home sanctuary. Now, this is a very risky thing to do. It's directly defying federal law. Um, it's, and you don't have a congregation to fall back on. This is something you do as an individual. Mm. And now we're starting to see that practice replicated today. Um, and so we're running into, you know, they're often connected to a faith community. They're all either a... Yeah, members of the
1: church who take them or the synagogue right. or whatever, right. take them into, into their own home. I mean, this this has this this is a it's, this is a great tradition that goes back to I'm I'm, I'm popping to Anne Frank right right. Uh, right or to the Underground Railroad.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly has roots in in everything you just said, and um, certainly the fugitive fugitive slave law as well.
3: It's mm-hmm. so interesting to me. We talked to Jack about this many times about sort of the progressive wing of religion, right, mm-hmm. which a lot of people who were brought up in religion, me, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people were brought up to, to sort of see the conservative uh, Christians, right, the, the right wing that are so kind of cruel and against the real actual religious teachings, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's nice to see these things happen every now and then where you see people really embrace the true meaning of religion and Christianity and do things like this, mm-hmm. um, which I think gets lost a lot. When you look at specifically the way that a lot of Republican politicians hang on to religion.
0: Right. And I, I think a big part of that is that now we're starting to see a very vocal religious left that stands yeah. up in front of microphones yeah. and they have yeah. rock stars that go and speak at the Democratic National Convention like William Barber. Um, but a lot of the, the, the more, you know, hard edged work like the kinds of stuff that we're seeing in the Home Sanctuary Movement and the Sanctuary Movement writ large are done quietly by in some ways by designs. So the people who you know to help protect those that they are um, but they're done quietly by these 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 quiet activists who believe this. It's part of their faith, and they just it, this is how they live it out on their day to day. So they're less likely to stand in front of a pulpit and preach about it. More likely just to quietly, you know, let um, let somebody live in their home.
1: Has the uh, have any of these, um, particularly home sanctuary or the religious place of worship sanctuaries, been challenged yet in the courts?
5: Not home sanctuaries currently. Um. Well, Potentially in nineteen eighties, actually nineteen eighties, yeah. they people were convicted, and you had reverends and nuns and you know all these clergy members who were who received uh, criminal convictions for them, but there was never any jail time for them,
0: and and they traditionally never you know raided the churches and synagogues themselves. Right. Now, what we've started to see recently under the Trump administration is while they have yet to raid a physical church. Um, they've started to skirt the line. So a group of um, undocumented immigrants were picked up as they left a church hypothermia center um, in the last couple of months. Um, and so you're starting to see these, these raids happen across the street and closer and closer and closer to the physical um, uh, you know, property of a church. And so there's a growing concern that you know, this memo that's kind of been protecting congregations from being raided by ICE um, you know, might be thrown out the window one day. And and I believe that's also in addition to churches, it's also hospitals and schools. And we've already kind of started to see hospitals be a place where folks can, you know, also be it, what was the story? It was somebody who was there and sick, and then they they returned them to detention. Um, there was somebody a few weeks ago that that had that story. Do you remember?
5: I mean, that actually hasn't just been the case under the Trump administration. Right. It has happened in the Obama oh, yeah, administration yeah. too, where people who are in comas have been deported back to our mm. countries. But that's another story, you know, for like <laughs> for, for something like this, you know, the sensitive locations memo that Jack was just talking about. You know, it is a guidance. It's not law. It's just basically um, a, a guidance for um, immigration agents to exercise prosecutorial discretion to not go after some of these immigrants. But in in some cases, you know, these immigrants or these immigration agents can get authority from a supervisor, or if they have a warrant, then yes, they can breach church doors. So people have to keep that in mind.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I just think this is so important, and so um, it's so exciting to hear that this movement is underway and that people are really, I believe, living what Christianity is all about and are willing to put themselves on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this, this is certainly something that the Pope... Uh, I'm Absolutely. sure is a, a thousand percent behind, right?
5: He and has see, said, you know, he has said that in Europe he has asked every congregation to take in at least one refugee family. That's mm-hmm. what he said in the past.
1: But to see Jews and Christians and Muslims all Absolutely. stand up and say, you know, this is what our faith teaches us, that we that we should be out protecting you know, immigrants and protecting protect the people who need help the most, right? That's right. what it's all about. I mean— if you read the New Testament, I don't see how you could come to any other conclusion, but I'm sure even within the religious community, within the faith community, if you will, that there are, some people don't, go along, right? <laughs> well, what you'll see um, from,
0: from some conservative positions, like particularly within the religious right, right. I doubt
1: that they're doing this, for, for example, on the campus of Liberty University. Yeah, probably probably not. That's not... <laughs> well, what, what
0: what's interesting is what you'll hear them say is they'll say, um, you know, the, the Bible teaches you to be subservient to whoever the, lo- the the local government is, which is both true and untrue. It's like an interesting, sure. complex Sure, like Peter said,
1: that's sort of the faith that I was raised up in. <laughs> Me, Catholic, you, Baptist. Yeah. But, you know, the, the the law was the law. The government was the government, right? And you just you may not like it, but you. You had to obey it, which which uh, you know is,
0: is a is a theological argument that's that's not necessarily consistent. You can you can hear any number. Of, like Martin Luther King obviously didn't agree with that. To say, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and also that they ha- conservative Christians haven't always been consistent in their belief in that either. The same people who say you should follow the law and not harbor immigrants are often the same people who say, well, you know, go break the Johnson Amendment and <laughs> preach politics from your pulpit and direct defiance of federal law. Um, and so it's it's people kind of often pick and choose in that space. Um, But, yeah, there's there's a division within the faith community over this, although I will note this network of people who have who have declared sanctuary is broader than usual um, in the sense that you'll have not only, you know, Different forms of Christians and even some conservative Christians who also have, um, you know, Muslims and Jews and also Buddhists, like all the prominent American Buddhists like this, not all of them, but like Mm -hmm. a a massive percentage of their leadership signed on to like declaring themselves, you know, uh, aligned with sanctuary, including um, encouraging their communities to to participate. Also, um, Hindu temples. So you're seeing like a really broad network of people like declare themselves um, willing to offer sanctuary. So we'll see how many actually end up doing it. But it is it is an unusually large movement for the religious left.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, one thing that's uh, become very clear, uh, Esther and Jack, right? And now we know that uh, the ban is actually... A ban. It's
5: an actual ban. <laughs> he has declared the ban a ban. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Even the watered down ban was his and also declared a ban, right? Like it's it's interesting how Trump has continues to undermine his own logic and continues to feed organizations like the ACLU all this great fodder for what they can argue in court, right? And the, the-
1: ACLU lawyers must be so happy
3: They're with like what happened yesterday.
5: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and makes it all uh, the more difficult for his attorneys, his lawyers, to defend.
5: Well, you mm-hmm. see somebody his like position. yeah, you see somebody like George Conway, right? The husband of Kellyanne Conway, who came out and he also tweeted, and he was like, "Ugh!" Right? Like he could just you shut feel up. up. His frustration. <laughs> just like, shut up. <laughs> That's
6: not a ban. <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: <laughs> you can just feel his frustration as he's tweeting, like, "Oh man, <laughs> this is going to be a bad thing." But you know, like. Even, I think that the White House currently is now really just like scrambling to figure out how do we control this? How do we make sure that this travel ban still continues? You know, with the watered down version, they took out uh, any mention of Islam. So it was no longer a religious discrimination piece, right? It's just
1: that the, the, the six countries <laughs> mentioned in the second <laughs> watered down version right. happened right. to be like 99% Muslim countries. Just today. happened. Just yeah. happens to be that mm-hmm. way. Did you right. see, by, by the like way? Just like the mayor of London just. Who um, he's attacking just happens to be a Muslim. <laughs> Coincidence.
3: Did you see that story about how there's somebody on staff now, just like to watch and see when Trump tweets? <laughs> like they've created a job within the White House Communications Department, right? That they just sit up and they wait and they see if Donald Trump tweets.
5: I heard that because then they have to swing
3: up. into action once yep. that happens yeah. to figure out what the <laughs> hell are we going to say now.
0: Somebody wakes up at 5 a.m. to watch him. See if he's gonna yeah. wow. and like would, around the clock.
5: <laughs> so D C lobbying firms are also doing that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. They're yeah, yeah, hiring yeah, it, yeah. people to make sure that like what he tweets out is kosher. And of course it's never the case. Is it unbelievable? Here they, is that the worst job in all of Washington? <laughs> Maybe, and, it, and that's probably
0: after the you know the um, aides are telling the media outlets like this is social media. It's, it's different. It's different. Like it's it's a published statement from the yes! first Yeah, it's,
3: it's an official <laughs> statement. It's a it's public record now. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, uh, and Kellyanne Conway says no, the problem is that we're we have this obsession with his tweets. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> again, as you pointed out, president of the United States. What he says, does, or tweets.
5: It has consequences. It has, has consequences. That's <laughs> not true. <Yeah. laughs>
1: uh, another area where we are seeing some um, uh, activity and and um, political, even, action on the part of uh, the religious left is in the climate change mm-hmm. um, area. Which, again, I think there's a strong argument to be made that it is a faith issue in terms of taking care of the the planet, taking right. care of nature, God's creation. I mean, it's, it's, it is an
0: argument that has been made very loudly by the Pope himself um, in his encyclical, which, as you all know, he 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 slyly gave to um, the uh, president. I, I love the <laughs> fact that he gave him this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you Read know, this. <laughs> the handed the it to him. And apparently the Vatican's uh, secretary of state also pressed really hard for um, Trump to remain to keep the United States in the Paris Accords, um, but to no avail. But the the, the coalition of uh, people on the religious left and and some even in the religious right that that believe climate change is happening and that it's caused by human beings and that there should be something done about it is is only growing louder. Um, you know, in addition to Pope Francis, you've also had I mean years ago, uh, the National Association of Evangelicals um, put out statements saying you know that that the stewardship is important. Um, and now that's become interesting because we're now starting to see people like Ralph Reed and Eric Erickson um, uh, either double down on you know opposing the Paris Accords or, um, in Eric Erickson's, Erickson's case, saying that, like, you know, I just don't have to care about climate change. Like, theologically, I don't have to. And what you see from all these different faith groups is, no, the problem with climate change is that it's not like some vague idea that you don't get to care about. There's a reason that when you see polling, disproportionately people on the lower end of the income spectrum, immigrants who come from Central and South America, they're disproportionately affected by climate change tend to believe in it um, because these are individuals who, who have encountered it, who are already dealing with the repercussions of, of you know, rising oceans and warming oceans and, and superstorms, um, among many other things. And so for the, the, for the faith community, this is a moral issue because the people who are mm-hmm. most affected are the least of these. So, right. um, so you're seeing a whole lot of action on that front, even though, meanwhile, uh, politicians argue that, that God's just going to take care of climate change and so we don't have to do anything. Yeah, on the on the right anyway.
1: One Republican politician actually said that, right? Was it mm-hmm. a, a yeah, a congressman, right? From right, he he From Michigan? From Michigan. He
0: went before <laughs> his Tim constituents. Tim Walberg. Oh, yeah, Wahlberg. Wahlberg went before his constituents and when when asked um whether or not he believed in climate change, he's like, "Sure, climate change is, is exists, but then he says climate change has always exists. So it's kind of a soft form of climate denialism where you say um basically downplaying the impact of it saying that maybe it exists but it's not something we have to be concerned about Um, and then you shift from there to say and if it does if it becomes bad enough as if it's not already bad um, then God will do something about it which is a very interesting theology for any number of reasons because that assumes that all problems that are large, God will simply fix, um, which is not traditional Christian teaching, um, which is that you know, the, the compulsion to do something about issues um, in the world often falls on the shoulders of individual Christians themselves. Um, but that's a, that's not an unpopular line among conservative politicians, and that's an individual. Wahlberg actually, um, you know, served as pastor for a while, went to Wheaton for a bit, also went to Moody, Moody Bible Institute. Mm-hmm. So these are all like very uh, important right wing um, uh, religious institutions, and so uh, that that theology it shows up in other places as well. Can we call it? Fake theology, <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> just an alternative sort of belief. It, it is, <laughs> it right? Yeah,
1: fake religion or something like that. Isn't it a problem, Esther, that some of these groups? I think of Ralph Reed, for example. Hmm. You know, Ralph Reed is a Republican first, a Christian second. I'd say, uh, and um, you know, on I, the on I'm, the issue
5: of climate change, is actually I, I would say this about climate change: it does disproportionately affect immigrants, like like mm-hmm. Jack said. And, you know, if lawmakers really want to help with the issue of unauthorized migration from the southern border, they should really care about climate change. Because a lot of these people from Guatemala who are coming up to the United States, they are part of the Garifuna community. They're Afro-Caribbean, afro uh, central americans and these are people who are losing banana plants at a very rapid pace and i know that doesn't seem like much but their economy relies on banana plantations yeah so you know once that gets wiped out they're going to start moving up they're already
1: way. starting to, to see changes in the banana
5: yes c- crop but i believe that they're they're starting to see a lot of diseases and there's spiders and there's a lot of issues um they're making related to clima, to climate change. Yeah, yeah exactly so care about the climate, you will help with the unauthorized migration problem.
1: But so uh, uh, back to what I was, uh, the point I was trying to wanted to make about Ralph Reed. It just seems to me that he is so tied to the Republican Party mm-hmm. and the Republican candidate that he adjusts his faith according to what the Republican Party or his candidate or president believes. I mean, I could see that if a George W. Bush, who, by the way, John McCain, George W. Bush, they they both believe in climate change mm-hmm. and are not the only Republicans that do so. That if George W. Bush were there and said something about we're going to do this Paris Accord, that Ralph Reed would say, this is what we ought to be doing. <laughs> well, what, right? But Donald Trump says, no, we're pulled out. And, and Ralph Reed says, yes, this is what we ought to be doing. Uh, to your point, uh, Catherine Hayhoe, who's one of the
0: prominent climate scientists, who also is an evangelical Christian, um, she's... she's responded by saying there needs to be a differentiation between theological evangelicals and political evangelicals. And um, she essentially hedges very close to your point, saying yeah. she points to the National Association of Evangelicals and their statement on, on stewardship and, and conserving the environment as a theological evangelical statement and then points to Ralph Reed and Eric Erickson and that crew as someone like they basically, you know, the impl- the implication is that they do exactly what you say, which is that their position doesn't stick hedged close to a theology other than and I need to support the the, right. the the Republican Party.
1: And on this point, isn't um, uh, I think it was sessions. There was a movement recently to give to take away this restriction on the ability of pastors to um uh to endorse or to to talk politics from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, was that the Trump administration? Or <laughs> Sounds yes, like it. The, yeah, yeah right?
0: the, when he um, – with the movement of the get rid There's of the a, Johnson Amendment. That's part, it, the Johnson Amendment. Right. Where uh, the part of the tax code um, that yeah. prevents faith groups from being able to endorse candidates from the pulpit. He recently passed an executive order that instructs the Treasury Department and thus the IRS to basically stop enforcing it. But it was never enforced to begin with. So it, it, it only like, – to give you an idea, the Alliance um, Defending Freedom – um, has a pulpit Sunday where they have pastors preach politics from the pulpit, record their sermons, and send it into the IRS. And they've done that for years. And they only one of them out of the thousands that have participated has been audited, and none have been punished. So, so
1: Esther, this would enable them actually, if the Rendell Johnson amendment, to endorse candidates.
5: I mean, I, I think that if we didn't have that, then certainly they would endorse them like crazy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, have you guys heard about how Trump's childhood church has completely? <laughs> Said we don't want you to be a part of us. Anymore. I love that story.
1: <laughs> yeah, I right. love that story. They have said, yeah, we disassociate ourselves yeah. entirely.
5: We are not but, endorsing you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. Yeah,
3: but I bet my church would probably uh, not care for what I have to say. <laughs> like, but in Trump's in Trump's case, for a guy who runs around claiming to be so religious and claims to love the Bible and all this stuff, right? For and his, one
5: Corinthians was it.
3: Two Corinthians. Two, two, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Two. <laughs> come now.
5: Uh,
3: but for but for the for oh, a guy wait. who claims like his wait. favorite book of all time is the Bible.
1: No no no. It's his second favorite. <laughs> the second favorite book. The art of the deal. Part is- of the deal is his favorite, and right. so the Bible's the second favorite. For the church
3: to come out and just say like, yeah, we don't we don't support you anymore. That's amazing.
0: Yeah.
5: That's really. Well, harsh. They
0: also- the the two presbyterian ministers that apparently went and saw him right after he got elected and um he's been saying he's been presbyterian and, you know he's affiliated with the Presbyterian Church USA and they said and they started talking to him. he says, you know, I did really great with the evangelical community. And they said, well, you know, we're not evangelicals, right? Huh? Do <laughs> <You> what? <laughs> and he's like, but you're Christians, right? And we're like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, fine.
1: Close enough. It, Close it, enough. It is great to know there is life among progressive Christians. And thank you, Esther <laughs> Lee. And thank you, uh, Jack Jenkins. We'll be back. Sabrina Siddiqui is here. This we'll be right back. is the Bill Press Show.
2: Is it a ban or is it not a ban? Up, oh,
1: that's been settled. The president says it is a travel ban. All caps, please. Put that to rest. Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Tuesday, June 6th. How about it? Great to see you today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and joining you all across this great land of ours. With the news of the day, uh, most of it centered around Donald Trump's tweet storm on many different subjects, uh, getting to the point where even his attorneys are saying, please shut the hell up. You're not making our job any easier. Uh, It's not making the job of political reporters any easier either because we just have to work twice as hard now. with so much news popping Uh, that keeps uh, Sabrina Siddiqui busy. But yet she still has time to come in and join us as a friend of Bill today. Hi, Sabrina.
7: Hi, how are you?
1: We're good. We're I good. haven't seen you in a while. I know, I know. And uh, we've had a lot of complaints from uh, you know our listeners and viewers sure. because from they Peter. keep saying, where's Sorry, Sabrina? So. <laughs> yeah. Why hasn't she been back? Yeah, well, Here she is. Yeah, <clears nice to throat> whose you. idea was it to bring her back? It's nice
3: to see you, Sabrina. Hi. Yeah,
1: mm, my saying.
7: friend of me, Jamie, is taking credit for bringing me back here.
0: Thank you for not calling me Jesse this morning. I was just I glad, glad you remembered his name. That's yeah. why I said
7: Jamie, because apparently I'm sitting here because of you.
1: Oh, Aww. All right. No, sitting here because of me. Probably. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show with Sabrina Siddiqui. We'll get right to the news of the day and you. But first...
2: This is the Full Court Press.
3: Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. You remember the infamous tweet from last week that Donald Trump sent out at 12.06 a.m. about covfefe. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. We still don't know exactly what it means. The White House claims that it means something. And a few people know what it means. Well, here's the thing. People in 21 different states... Now, have personalized license plates. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That say Kofefe. 21 people, because you can only get one per state. Yes. So, 21 different states, people have gone on and claimed the Kofefe. Those are
6: 21 people I would not like to be friends with. Absolutely
3: not.
7: Are you one of them? No,
3: God, no. Crazy, (laughs) Nebraska, North Carolina, and even California.
1: The first one was a guy from California. Got it within seconds. A guy by the name uh, of Craig
3: Cooper is the guy's name in California. If someone
7: names their baby Kofefe, then that's when I'll officially jump off a cliff. Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it or make that Uh, the middle name middle name or something silly.
1: Uh, so I, have to, I, I interviewed the uh, the great Scott Simon from NPR last night yep. who did a very, very, we had a, uh, I asked him the meaning of Covfefe, he did a very, very funny essay, check it out on NPR.org or whatever, his, oh, nice. his essay on Covfefe, as to what it means and where it comes from, uh, something to do with outer space, it's very funny, very clever.
3: Oh, nice, all right, all right. So, uh, you remember back in 2011, Hank Williams Jr., who sang the theme song to Monday Night Football, you know, the Are You Ready for Some Football? Mm -hmm. He was fired because of some of the things he said about Barack Obama, called him a Muslim, among other things. And he was fired. They said that he's done, he's not going to be working there in Monday Night Football anymore. Well, yesterday ESPN announced... He will be coming back Monday nights for Monday Night Football, singing his song, All My Rowdy Friends, and Are You Ready for Some Football, all that is coming really? back, I guess, in the age of Donald Trump.
1: The Trump effect.
3: Yeah. People like Hank Williams Jr., Bo Cephas, they get a return.
1: Anything goes. Huh?
7: Ted Nugent gets to go to the White I, House. What Sweaty I was...
1: Teddy goes to the White House.
7: Decision, and... Yeah. Bo hey, is back Jr. on Monday Night Football. Back on Monday well, Night Football.
1: You know, ESPN has been
0: getting a lot of flack from conservatives saying they're too liberal. So perhaps this is ESPN trying to show conservatives, no, we like you guys. Here's a racist for you. There
3: are other ways yeah. to do that. Yeah, you're right. I think that's probably what's going on here. But my God, you don't have to put him back on.
1: Ugh. There are no limits. And you know what? No matter how bad they are, they're, 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 they're not as bad as Donald Trump, right? No. So. No. No. My, Sabrina, we have so much to talk about. All right, glad you're here. Hang on for just a minute. We'll be right back.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. All right, what do you say on a Tuesday, June 6th? Hello,
1: everybody. Great to see you today. We are back here with The Bill Press Show. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., and joining you wherever you are in this uh, great land of ours, all part of the Young Turks Network, of course, whether you're watching us on, joining us on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, or on Free Speech TV, or on WCPT out in Chicago, all part, again, of the Young Turks Network. Sabrina Siddiqui from The Guardian, here uh, in studio with us as a friend of Bill this hour. So um, this man certainly can tweet, can he? And he has been like nonstop <laughs> since learning of this terrorist attack in uh, London, where you would expect the president of the United States to do what presidents have always done. Condemn the attack, uh, pledge our cooperation. I hate uh, to interrupt. No, he's tweeting. He
7: literally as we just, he just tweeted. Bill, uh, what have you done? The f- the, I this stir
2: them up all the yeah. time. This is from President. This is a Bill Press Show breaking news update. Yeah, we've had it. We've, we've I have
3: we've, had that,
7: but I've been sitting here that breaking news update. Yeah,
3: here it is from the president. The fake MSM is all caps is working so hard trying to get me not to use social media. They hate that I could get the honest and unfiltered message out.
1: Uh, actually, okay. Uh, I think it's his attorneys who right. are trying to get him to stop using social Although that's social actually
7: pretty tame media. by his standards.
1: It is.
3: It is pretty tame. But, I mean, <laughs> but again, it contradicts indeed. his own people again. I know, like, I know. Kellyanne Conway yesterday made a big point about saying, stop paying attention to his tweets. Right. You need to look at how he governs. Now, here he is saying, I can get my message honest and unfiltered. I can get my message out. Well, and the tra- White
7: House also like, doesn't want to treat his tweets as official statements when they are. The President of the United they are, States they are. is speaking yeah. directly. You could argue that they're more official than the statements that Sean Spicer or the press office put out. That he may or may not even see half the time because they're so mundane and clearly not written by Trump. When they put out statements on his behalf in the oh, more of course they're traditional more powerful.
1: format, they're coming directly from him. And so as these we saw with the Kofefe, yeah. they far more from applicable. Him When nobody else is around in the middle of the night and he's falling asleep. And And these
7: tweets are what the rest of the world sees, as per your point on London and his response to the terrorist attack, where the world is watching and is horrified by the way that he responded to a terrorist attack uh, going after the mayor, who happens to be Muslim.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He didn't
7: go after other uh, officials in the same way when other terrorist incidents have occurred. Um, and, of course, he said that this reinforces a need for his travel ban, which has no logic because his ban would have done nothing to prevent an attack of this nature.
1: Right. Uh, and and this little feud between uh, Donald Trump and Mayor Sadiq Khan started, like, when he first came out with this idea of a, a tra- Muslim mm-hmm. travel ban. And, and it was pointed out that that means the mayor of London could not come to the United States of America and Donald Trump says, oh, well, all right, I'll make an exception for him.
7: Right. And and the mayor said that Khan had been very critical of uh, the, Donald Trump's comments toward Muslims during the campaign and uh, really was essentially pushing a message of tolerance and acceptance. And, of course, that riled up Trump as it's bound to do. And, you know, not only would the mayor not have been initially uh, able to come – Based on the way the travel ban was laid out, if you look at what the administration is defending in court, which is a ban on six Muslim majority countries, one of the h- attackers h- that
1: watered down version, the watered
7: down version, uh, one the, of the, the well,
1: politically correct right, version, the
7: politically correct version. What we're learning about the uh, attackers is, is that at least one of them was born in Pakistan, which is not on the list, and happens to be a British national. So. They made exceptions for yeah. people who are citizens of, mm-hmm. you know, allies in Europe and the U.K. And uh, another one is of Moroccan-Libyan descent, as he says, so also would not be subject to list. the ban. So it's not only ineffective insofar as there haven't actually been links with between attacks that have occurred recently and the countries that are on the list, but also... That yesterday, Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes out and says extreme vetting is already happening, and Trump says that extreme mm-hmm. vetting is why, is what he's trying to implement with the ban. So if extreme vetting is already happening, why do you need the ban? I mean, they just keep undermining their own rationale in, in many different ways, and it's hard to keep track at this and point. And the
1: extreme vetting already started under Barack Obama. Well,
7: yes, this is not the first administration. I mean, under Bush, under Obama, they started to take a far closer look at certain countries, especially those that they deem to be high risk. It's become a lot harder from certain places to gain entry into the United States. They are a lot more, um, they scrutinize visas, whether they're for students or tourism or business related, a lot more um, than they used to, certainly pre 9-11. Um, so, so again, I, I don't think that this is some novel concept that they've come up with. Nor has there been, I mean, an incident in the United States. If you even look at the terrorist attacks, San Bernardino and uh, Orlando being the most recent to occur, again, the travel ban would have not in any way prevented those attacks. So. I think when you're dealing with these ISIS-inspired incidents, everyone has acknowledged homegrown terrorism, online radicalization. There are a lot of efforts that need to be made to confront those. All Trump is doing is issuing a blanket policy that would further alienate people and serve as a recruitment tool, according to all national secure, many national security experts, for ISIS to use. In fact, they already have used a lot of his rhetoric in their recruitment efforts.
1: You mentioned uh, you're t- talking about the mayor. It's worth playing again, uh, Jamie. The, the mayor yesterday- um And, of course, with this provoking, provocative tweets from Donald Trump, um, Trump, I think, was hoping, right, the mayor would fire back, right, and they get into a big transatlantic feud or something. Uh, The mayor took the high road yesterday, uh, speaking first to reporters uh, 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 outside of a TV station.
4: My focus uh, since Saturday has been dealing with the horrific attack on our city, on Londoners. And on visitors, I've really not got time to respond to Trump's from t- tweets from Donald Trump.
1: I, I love <laughs> that. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, the, I think it's a post this morning that on, the, on their number one editorial, the headline is "London's Grace, U.S. Disgrace."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, which really shows this guy's a class act, right? And he's saying, "I'm not going to get down into the gutter with Donald Trump right. at a time like this."
7: It's hard to really overstate how much respect the U.S. has already lost vis-a-vis Donald Trump being its uh, the face of the country and its leader uh, among key allies. Especially, you know, yeah. when you look at the U.K., you look at Europe, where just you, you know, just last week Angela we were talking. He, he, he attacked Angela Merkel just last week. Of course, there was widespread disappointment with the decision to mm-hmm. withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord, and. I think that what we saw in our own reporting was uh, a widespread frustration when Trump attended the G7 summit in Brussels that they that their efforts uh, clearly did not prevail when it came to trying to bring him around to the uh, to staying in the climate agreement in Sicily and, uh, it, uh, sorry Sicily yeah not not you're we're, right it was not in Brussels Um yeah. and right. it was in Sicily. But the, the, you know, the narrative had a lot more to do with the symbolism of him pulling out of the agreement and, you know, what that means for environmental efforts, which is one big piece of the puzzle. I think the overlooked piece was this abdication of U.S. leadership and uh, the extent to which, you know, a lot of our key partners no longer are really looking to the United States in the same way that they were previously because they see a leader who is erratic, who is driven by, you know, this nationalist agenda so-called America First policy. And uh, one person I spoke with said, look, diplomacy is give and take, and people will remember these moments when the U.S. is going back to its allies and asking for something.
1: New York Times Sunday, America in retreat. Uh, And it is. I mean, we have abdicated our position as leader of the free world, uh, Donald Trump has, uh, I hope just temporarily, but it would be hard to get it back because of the damage he's done. I want to come back to the mayor for just a second. Mm -hmm. So then the mayor points out that, you know, there's this planned trip for Donald Trump Mm. coming to the UK uh and uh after all the his uh, uh, accusing the british intelligence for example of cooper- <laughs> cooperating with the united states uh, uh, to bug his with Barack Obama to bug his phones at trump tower he accused the british of doing this uh, the mayor saying again so we're supposed to roll out the red carpet for this guy no way here's the mayor on uh, British television yesterday. I don't think
4: we should be rolling out the red carpet to uh, the president of the USA in the circumstances where his policies go against everything we stand for.
1: Yeah. Uh, right on. Why should right. they?
7: I mean, to our point just now, where we've reached a point where there are partners who, even, you know, at this point, I don't know what position Theresa May will take. It seems like she's just going to continue ahead with the trip, but. Um, People don't want the president of the United States to come uh, set foot in their country. Yeah. And that's remarkable yeah. in and of itself. It's notable that Theresa May, who, of course, is facing re-election um, and now this this race has been tightening, uh, was asked repeatedly about Sadiq Khan and Trump's attacks on him. And she kept defending Sadiq Khan without criticizing Trump, which was, of course, what you would expect from the post-Brexit uh, leader of, of the U.K., who, you know, I think she kept saying... I'm not going to respond to the tweets. I'll just say that Sadiq Khan is doing a great job. And she kept being asked different ways. But the president of the United States is attacking the mayor of London after a not just that he's attacking the mayor of London period, but let alone after a terrorist attack. You know what do you have to say? And she just kept deflecting, and just going around to next question, next question. Everyone oh, kept asking yeah. her the same question, and it, she said, "I've repeated multiple times. You know, I, I you know, Sadiq Khan is doing a great job. He's handled this with grace." Um, and then someone said, "Well, what would Donald Trump have to actually do to get you to criticize him?"
0: <laughs> and then she
7: said, "Well, I said I disagreed with his decision to pull out of the Paris Climate Agreement. That was about as far as she would go." But it reminded right. me of that Republican, uh, you know, campaign—the campaign season where Republicans had to do the whole dodge and deflect. Yeah. I don't really support this guy, but right. then they also didn't want to criticize him. And I think she's dealing with the same nationalist uh, base in 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 her own re-election battle, feeling like she Uh, can't uh, criticize him. A
1: a final point on the red carpet. Um, uh, A friend of mine, um, Pat Oliphant, who is the country's greatest political cartoonist, now no longer um, uh, producing, uh, putting his cards out out every day, but uh, still an occasional. He's won the Pulitzer Prize for his political cartoons, and I had dinner with him Sunday night. He was telling me that um, he can't wait. uh, He has the cartoon in mind for when the, Trump is presented to the Queen uh, at at Buckingham Palace, and somebody whispers in Trump's ear, "No, you can't grab her by the." Oh! Oh! Yikes! Ooh. Yeah! Yeah! This is a guy you're going to present to the Queen. I mean, just think of God. The whole concept. Uh, so, let's talk about the travel ban. MSNBC did us all a favor by, you know, um, there's been, and I. A lot of this is from the briefings at the White House, and I've been there when this back and forth with Sean Spicer about is it a ban or isn't it a ban, and then he says it's not, and Trump says it is. So MSNBC puts this little montage together of these these are all comments from the White House about the ban. First of all, it's not a travel ban.
4: We're going to have a very, very strict ban?
6: It can't be a ban. It's a 90-day ban. It's not a travel ban. The ban deals with seven countries. That is by nature not a ban. This is a ban on travel. That's not a ban. President Trump tweet yesterday, if the ban were announced with a one-week notice, the bad would rush into our country during that week. So he says it's a ban. But at the end of the day, it can't... Oh, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It can't be... It, worse. it can't it worse. be... More people would have flooded into the country in a short amount of time to take advantage before the ban went into effect. I'm not confused. I think that the words that are being used to describe it... Are derived from what the media is calling this. They're not confused.
1: Oh, They're so confused. He it's, got it's,
7: so angry. I know. I know. It was I only can't. a few months ago. I know.
1: I know. We're not I know. stupid. Right. It it was, come so, on, come on. It's not a ban. How can it be a ban if all these people are coming into the country? And then it was you got... obviously
7: a ban. That's what the president called it repeatedly and promised.
1: And in the last 24 hours, he has said, travel ban. And he's All even counts. even
7: since that this was late January when Spicer had that particular press conference where he continued to go back and forth it was the a few days after they had unveiled the first iteration you know insisting the media has fabricated this term even though it yeah. was Trump who was actually tweeting even in the days prior to that press conference that it was a ban. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes out yesterday and says he doesn't care what you call it but then yeah. he tweets oh like it is a ban, not some politically correct you know, term. W- term. So what? he actually does care what you call it because he views anything that's not a ban as t- being too politically correct. But Spicy is going to be back behind that podium today. So, and I, I I, would hope and be curious as to whether people want to revisit his insistence. He was the one oh, who insisted. Oh, you, know no, you know they should. They
3: absolutely should. Like, I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of people saying, like, oh, I feel sorry for Sean Spicer. Oh, gosh. Because, like, look, I, I mean, on, on one hand, I understand why people say that, because he's a talented communicator, right? Like, Is
2: he? Well, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me say this.
3: I don't necessarily think so, but there are a lot of people who have done this for a long, long time, who have dealt with Spicer when he was at the RNC, and he did a good job in that role. And fine. I get that. Yeah. But uh, I no would one's say, holding he, a- I'd
1: say he's a talented Publicist or community sure. or whatever, but no one's but,
7: holding but, a gun to his head and making him. Exactly. No, I there. don't feel sorry oh, no. for him oh, at no. all. But
3: my Wouldn't point here, is, my point here is, we all see what he's going through. Yeah. Right. Like, like Sean Spicer or not, which I do not. But you watch this happen, and like, he's been completely undermined. Undermined at every move by the president. And instead of treating every reporter like they're insane for asking an obvious question. Right. You Maybe maybe work out a better strategy than just beating up on everybody,
7: you know? And that's why no one wants to work for this president. They're having a lot of trouble when it comes to recruiting yeah. uh, people uh, to, to work in this administration because th- this is a president who's going to repeatedly undermine his staff and throw them under the bus and... I think that especially when we're talking about the travel ban, this is not just about him undermining his staff. This is a rationale they're presenting before courts that he is now undermining. Well, I was just
1: going to get to that. You know, George Conway, who was up for being Solicitor General or Deputy or Solicitor General or whatever, um, Kellyanne Conway's husband, uh, yesterday tweeted out – Peter, you read that tweet earlier. I don't know whether you got it handy there – where um, basi- re- critical of Donald Trump because the point he was making – Your lawyers are going to go in front of the Supreme Court and say this is is constitutionally okay. This is not a ban. This is a very selective sort of enforcement of immigration law. It's not a ban. And then you, Donald Trump, are out there saying it is a ban. You are undercutting your uh, lawyers and preventing they're doing a good job in front of the Supreme Court. George Conway basically telling the president to shut up. He, after
3: Trump tweeted about the travel ban, using the words travel ban, George Conway sent his first tweet in a year and a half to say, these tweets may make some people feel better, but they certainly won't help OSG, the Office of Solicitor General, get five votes in the Supreme Court, which is what actually matters. Sad.
7: Sad.
1: Yeah. I love that. (laughs) So he
7: does parrot Trump in some
1: ways.
7: (laughs) Well, I actually think that that's... um, one of the other aspects that's been so confounding, at least with Trump, it, he's erratic. So you, you expect him to be entirely dismissive of whatever strategy that there is in court, because he just thinks he's president. He gets to do what he wants. That's his understanding of the job. We've seen that he has no respect for the judicial branch. He's attacked judges, um, and he attacked you know all of those who disagreed with you know who ruled against his ban. Not to mention the Judge Curiel just because of his descent his hispanic descent anyway the point of this is to say that um even Stephen miller the reason the second iteration of the band the watered down version that went from seven to six countries took out iraq recognizing you know obviously the partnership uh mm-hmm. from iraqis and in, in fighting the war um was that they had these they essentially had to go through every aspect of the first version and have it pass legal buster basically it read like a homework assignment that had been corrected and with oh, red marker, yeah, yeah. where it was like, okay, we're we're actually we're not going to create an exception for religious minorities because that's obviously targeting Muslims. You know, we're we're, we're basically c- c- peeling back and taking out all the offensive language that was clearly also directed at Muslims. Um, but then Stephen Miller went out, the architect of the original ban, part of why the second one was was also uh, ruled against. He went out on TV and said, "Well, the intent is the same as the first. Oh, no. And so they just they don't get that you know these statements will right. be used against you in sure. the court. All right, so the,
1: let's let's go to the second so to, to the second uh, executive order or the watered down ban or the or the uh, politically correct ban. Right. Um, my first question, Sabrina Siddiqui, who signed the second executive order?
7: Who signed it? Is this a quiz?
1: not just who signed it.
7: Well, the president. Signed it. Right. But no, it was it's not a, it's okay. not a trick
1: question. What I'm saying, so he's out there attacking the second executive order.
7: <laughs> I thought as, there was some unknown as fact. As if somebody
1: else did this, yeah. right? I mean, No, right. he did it. He signed it. And he accused, uh, attacked the Justice Department for submitting the watered-down version right. to the Supreme Court. Who appointed the Attorney General of the United States? The president did.
7: Yeah. And now he's apparently soured on Jeff Sessions. And now, right. So,
1: which exactly. is amazing. So
7: of all trying, people. Right. The one person who's implementing his agenda yeah. wholeheartedly is the Jeff Sessions. The one person who
1: is his little puppy dog. Blindly doing right? yeah. what he wants. His yeah. lap dog from right. the beginning. Yeah. So Trump is now saying, whoever did that second executive <laughs> order, <laughs> man, they, they ought to be shot. Right. Oh, yeah. And now they. Yeah. He signed it. He appointed Jeff Sessions the whole thing is his doing.
7: You know though the funny thing is how dumb the second he, how dumb version think we are. The second version, they they didn't have the signing ceremony um, because of how poorly the first version had gone. So they sent out you know John Kelly and Rex Tillerson to the mics to, to announce the second version. Um, we never saw him sign it. We were told that he signed it. They didn't really have pool access either yeah. that day because they were just trying to keep this all very hush hush and not have the same scenes at the airports and the outcry. And in fact, they, they did indeed manage to not have it be as big of a story the second time around. And at this point, the way they operate, I I, I don't even know what the process was and the extent to which the president even knew what he was signing. Uh, but he signed it, as you say. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, it's like it's so hard to tell if they even had told him the extent to which they watered it down, um, and all of that was just to save face because he insisted on plowing ahead when the court had the courts had ruled against the first the first version. Um, anyone else would have actually just dropped it, but no, they're insisting, and if they want to take it up to Supreme Court. I I, I cannot foresee a scenario in which the Supreme Court would
1: uphold you know this uh, this the travel ban not even with gorsuch there not I even no because you
7: know, it, you know they understand a, the ramifications of this you know, they can't it, discriminate on the basis of nationality and religion
1: it's getting to the point where you've got to think at, uh, you know that at 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 some point at least the republicans in congress have to say we can't deal with this anymore and there's a little hint of that yesterday in um, senator bob corker who's one of the more <laughs> rational of the republicans Chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee um, yesterday was asked about Donald Trump's Twitter comments.
0: We live in a world today where, unfortunately, a lot of communication is taking place with 140 characters, and and probably it's best to refrain from communicating with 140 characters on topics that uh,
1: are so important. That's a very gentle way of saying. <laughs> Shut up Donald Trump. Right. You're not making our job any easier. And he also right?
7: said um <laughs> Bob Corker that he's not going to take back his prior criticisms of the White House uh because the world is watching. And I think that, you know, he's yeah. as you said yeah. the chair of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate. And he meets directly with you know leaders uh acro- yeah. around the across the globe. Um and I think he sees that aspect of it. I mean, I think that Still, Republicans have not sufficiently criticized the president. They haven't actually done anything in terms of taking a stand. They haven't actually punished him through nominations or using tools at their disposal to send a message um, to him. Uh, yeah. But having said that, you do wonder at what point, especially I think in the aftermath of this attack in London and the way he's responded, uh, do they actually step back and say, you know, we're, we're the laughing stock of the world right now. And we will continue to be unless there's some reasonable voices speaking up.
1: Yeah, one would think so. So Thursday, um, former FBI Director James Comey testifying in front of the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, We learned yesterday the White House is not going to invoke executive privilege to prevent his testimony. Uh, How straight do you think Comey is going to be or do you think he'll hold back? What do you expect?
7: Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think there will be aspects where he might cite the investigation and, and not wanting to interfere, depending on the level of information that's being asked of him. But he can't skirt these questions around... What his conversations were like with the president. He's no longer the FBI director. He was dismissed. And he has to be clear as to whether he believes that he was, one, dismissed because of his role leading the investigation, and two, if he was under the impression, as these memos that were leaked indicate, that the president was trying to influence the investigation. To shut down the To industry. shut it down. Right. And And did it's a pretty straightforward yes or no question. And that's did why he, he ask you or did he not ask you to drop the investigation? Right.
1: Um, And that's what he's being called to testify about. And that is.
7: And his response, uh, I think, will be it's hard to foresee a scenario where it won't be extremely significant um, for him to even for him to even suggest that the president was trying to stop the investigation.
1: Right. All right. So here here's the word. No matter what you might have had planned on Thursday, cancel it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Did you right. see, by the way, what there's time a, is the hearing? Is it 9 o'clock or so? It starts
3: early. Did you see there's yeah. a, a, one right. of the bars, at least one of the bars here you yes. see, yes. is opening up at 9 a.m.? Right. Shaw's Tavern. Shaw's Tavern, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. town. is. This is, is a very this town story. They're opening up at 9 a.m. so that people can watch the Kobe I bet they won't
1: be drink. the only one. I bet they that, shouldn't. Be. You know. Well,
3: now they won't be.
1: No. No. Others will. <laughs> right. There's, There's better bars. Well, look, there are definitely oh, better bars. Better bars.
2: Look,
3: right. we're right down the street from uh, from um, Tune In. Tune In is open at like 8 a.m. anyway, <laughs> so and, and they don't need a special event for you to go there and drink at 9 a.m. By the way, right. the
1: Tune In is the perfect place, absolutely, to watch this news cover. Absolutely. You know, we ought to go down there right tune after in. the show on Thursday.
7: Tune in. I'll
3: see
1: you down there
7: at the Tune In.
1: I'll see you down there. Put an egg in the beer, like yeah. they used to do. Yeah, that's right. That old
3: that old school, like, drop an egg in the beer
1: and call it breakfast. It, it's probably going to be the most watched congressional hearing ever. Maybe since Anita Hill. Yeah.
7: It's going to be something.
1: Yeah. Come watch it and tune in with us. Stay away. Stay what? Come, be better. Better not he better it out. bring it. He, yeah. better, he better deliver. He better deliver the bacon. Exactly. One thing that Donald Trump did yesterday we haven't talked about yet. Today we will with Sabrina Siddiqui. and joining us Melanie Zanona from the Hill is Donald Trump is saying I want to take uh, air traffic controllers, take them out of the FAA and turn it over to private industries. He says private business can do better than the FAA. Is that what we want? What else is happening on infrastructure and transportation, we'll find out from Melanie Zanona. Sabrina Siddiqui staying with us. You stay with us, too. We'll be right back.
6: That's not a ban.
2: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Here we go now on Tuesday, June 6th at The Bill Press Show. We're live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., brought to you today by Amalgamated Bank. You're looking for a bank with progressive values? You've got it. With Amalgamated and anywhere in this country, you can bank with Amalgamated Bank online. Amalgamatedbank.com. For almost a century now, they've been the bank of choice for progressive Organizations and individuals nationwide. Uh, you can join up to check them out again at amalgamatedbank.com. Sabrina Siddiqui here from The Guardian as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Joined now by Melanie Zanona, who is with The Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check out TheHill.com for my column today, by the way. I'll oh, we'll get a nice little plug, plug in yeah. for my column. Uh, Melanie, a transportation writer uh, at the uh, at the Hill. Hi, Melanie. It's nice Hi. to see you.
8: Thanks for having me.
1: Before we get into uh, continuing on uh, conversation, I mean continuing the conversation we were having a little bit with uh, Sabrina before the break and Peter about Donald Trump's tweets. <laughs> he is he doesn't like people criticizing him like George Conway did, and say, suggesting he should not be tweeting anymore. He just tweeted out, "Quote." Sorry, folks, but if I would have relied on the fake news of CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, Watch Post, or New York Times, or the Bill Press Show. No, he didn't add that. <laughs> uh, I would have had zero, all caps, chance winning White House.
8: And infrastructure week continues. Yeah,
6: yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I watch these shows and the pundits in the morning. They don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right.
7: Notice but, how Fox was conspicuously absent from that long no Fox in front list. list. Uh, no, yes, no. every network got its uh its mention, its due, except for Fox. So he
1: really, but he really does believe that the secret of his success and the secret of his presidency are his is tweeting, and he is not going to stop it. I don't care who no. says, right? He won't. That's pretty. Although clear.
7: the funny thing is, everyone says, um, points out that his supporters are with him no matter what i have found in my conversations when i go out and about and touch base with them they do pretty much all agree or many of them that we do wish he would stop with the tweeting mm-hmm. that they they're starting to find it distracting because i once he got to the white house i think they all well, they wanted to see their border wall mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted to see um you know a lot of what he campaigned on and uh I think at this point they're 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 starting to at least sour on the tweets.
1: So Melanie, to your point, uh, the original plan coming into this week was, all right, this is going to be a bad week because James Comey is going to testify and the media is going to be talking up prior to the hearing every day about what we might right. expect from James Comey, and then everybody's going to be watching Thursday, and this damn Russian thing is going to be you know taking over again and again. So we're going to. Um, put a uh, an alternate sideshow on called infrastructure. Even though, by the way, officially Infrastructure Week was like three two, weeks yeah, ago. yeah, two
8: or three weeks ago.
1: Because we had mm-hmm. former Secretary Ray LaHood in studio launching Infrastructure right. Week on our show. So, but they, so they're saying no, we're going to call this Infrastructure Week, and this is what we're going to talk about this week. And we're going to, and then we're going out to Cincinnati on Wednesday. We're going to make a big speech. So everybody's going. But the person who's undermining infrastructure week is?
8: The president himself. I think there was so much expectation that we were gonna come into this week and it was gonna be this big bipartisan push and we were finally gonna start to see what the president wanted in this infrastructure plan. And by the time everyone woke up on Monday morning, he had already tweeted all, all night, all weekend, started these public feuds. It's driving Democrats away. Um, The narrative had already started to take hold by the time he stepped into that East Room on Monday morning at 1130. And if you turned on all the cable news networks, no one was talking about infrastructure. They were talking about the travel ban, you know, his attacks on the London mayor, his feud with the media. Um, They were playing pictures and clips of him at the infrastructure event but they certainly weren't talking about his initiative.
1: Yeah, and we can see even today, right, despite the criticism that he got yesterday from some of his attorneys or other prominent attorneys that had to just knock it off and let the attorneys handle this case. Right. He's still defending uh right. his tweet. So, uh here he was yesterday uh at the air traffic controllers event there in the uh, that, that was a little weird, too, because originally it was going to be a photo op in the White House, and the Oval Office would say, right. abruptly canceled, and said, no, let's go over to the
8: Origi- Yeah, it was supposed to be Dining Oval, Room, Oval right. Office and then Rose Garden, oh. and then they switched it to the East Room. To so, so the East Room.
1: So Donald Trump yesterday announced, a, a, talking about what he was signing.
6: We're proposing reduced wait times, increased route efficiency, and far- Fewer delays.
1: Believe me. Um, And doing so by taking air traffic controllers out of FAA and putting them into some nonprofit group, right? That's right. Why?
8: Well, the argument, the chief argument behind this is that the FAA, and no one really disagrees with the fact that the FAA has been slow to modernize, right? The technology they're using right now is really outdated. I think people would be surprised to learn that. They're still using paper strips to, flack, to uh, track flights. Um, so there has been an effort underway at the FAA to, to upgrade their system to modernize. There's been billions spent on it, but the thinking with the Trump administration here is that putting a you know a private, a corporation, and a non-governmental entity will speed up the delivery. Bring down the costs and lead to this technology, um, which will therefore reduce the wait times and the delays um, and some of the problems we've seen with the airlines in recent years. Mm. So, how does Uh, how, how,
7: how much power does this then give to the airline companies? Uh, especially when it comes to what they can tax and what they can charge. Right. I mean,
8: that's one of the biggest criticisms is how much control is being turned over to this non-government entity. You know, the power to collect user um, fees would be completely out of congressional control. And that's why you've seen Republican and Democratic appropriators um, really put up a, a stop sign at this because they don't want to see that control uh, th- taken th- away. Th- this
1: is not a new idea, right? I it's mean, not. The Clinton
8: administration proposed this. I mean, last year we saw this proposal on the House floor and it went nowhere. There weren't there weren't the votes to even bring it to a vote on the House floor.
1: Right. So it's an idea that's been bouncing around for uh, for a long time. To so right. what extent is this failure to modernize by the FAA connected with um, flight delays uh, or...
8: Well, I think that's depending on who you ask. I mean, the airlines would yeah. be the first ones to say it's not us; it's this outdated technology. You know, and- BS. <laughs>
1: right? No, let the airline let the airlines off the hook. All of us here have flown too many times, right? To say, "Oh, it's not United Airlines' fault," mm, right? Or American. Well, airlines certainly or the
8: patience is running out with airlines right now. Um, yeah, and they see an opportunity here, though. You know, this is. Having presidential leadership on this issue is a big deal for them. But, uh, you know, with the signing of the principles that we saw today, it wasn't signing of a bill. It wasn't even signing of a full legislative proposal. It was That's, a five-page uh, list of principles. seems to be a running theme, actually. I was going to ask you, to what extent
7: is this a real plan that the White House has presented to Congress? Or is it just the president, again, going out with, you know, some review uh, of an agency or
8: principles Well, I think the reason why they did the signing with the pens and handing them out is because they know there's not going to be a bill signing, at least not this Congress. So this might be, you know, the most public facing event they have to ramp up support and and show that they're doing something on air traffic control, show the airlines who were invited to the White House. You know, this is obviously their top priority, um, but there's no chance of this getting through. I mean... this is the,
1: the Senate? You, you, you called it right, Sabrina. This is a running theme, right? Which is why every time they say, look at all that we've accomplished in this White House. They haven't done crap, right? Yeah, this
8: is only what, a five-page proposal, too. This was not a full legislative bill.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they signed, they have these ceremonies and they sign this stuff, but it's not like tax reform. He was talking about... At the, in the Rosenberg about, about how <laughs> the tax bill is just pro- pro- progressing so rapidly. Republicans are doing such a great job. There is no there bill. There is no bill. There's well, they no bill. also,
7: that was a the one pager. Yeah. The White House put out a one
1: pager, and it wasn't right. even a full page. It was right. like a few so bullet yesterday points. He, he signed a set of <laughs> principles, right, or intent, or a sort of a signal this mm-hmm. is what I want to do. Didn't do anything. Right. right.
8: I mean, it is a good first step for supporters. I mean, this right. is the farthest that they've they've gone. This is the first time they've had sort of a more unified White House with this and transportation leaders in the House anyway are for this. Um, but some of the senators I was talking to yesterday was on the Republican side, a mix of lukewarm, tepid response to outright, we're not going to hmm.
7: support this. Whatever happened, dare I ask, to the $1 trillion infrastructure plan that he campaigned on – and uh, where does this fit into that? <laughs>
8: well, it's actually supposed to move separately. They right. they are not tying this to their infrastructure bill. And again, I think that's a rec- recognition that if they do that, I mean, you know, that's going to sink the entire infrastructure bill. And so mm-hmm. they are they are planning to move them separately. Right. Um, as far as the trillion dollar infrastructure package, we still have not seen full proposals of that. Although we're getting more little drips, statement of principles we saw mm-hmm. in the budget release, and we are expected to see more during this infrastructure week.
1: Well, when? I, I, I mean are we going to see the infrastructure he's giving a speech in Cincinnati but are we going to see the infrastructure bill this week this, this week
8: no I think it's going to come later this summer that is what the administration has sort of said all along is it's not gonna the full package isn't going to come until later this year yeah. Um but they are eager to show progress. I mean, right. they, they're trying to pivot away from all these other reports and controversies that are surrounding them. And so they, they are trying to show that they're working on other issues like infrastructure.
7: We may yeah. end up with another statement of principles. The That's package right. could be 10 pages maybe instead of
8: five. Or. Yeah. Well, the first thing we saw was uh, a six-page principle list on infrastructure yeah. talked alongside his budget release.
1: Well, you know, on January 21st, uh, I tweeted out that I was standing by to... Um, Assist the president or offer him any advice that I could give if he would, if he wanted it and would uh, call me. I haven't heard from him yet, but <laughs> if I uh, surprise, surprise. But if I if he were to call, my advice to him would have been: you should have started with infrastructure. He should have started with the one billion dollar infrastructure. Forget repeal Obamacare. I don't care what he promised. Start with the infrastructure. He could have gotten Democratic votes, Republican votes. He could have delivered that. He would have signed that bill right. But now there would be millions of jobs and we'd be humming.
8: You know, I think there was a lot of interest in the White House from, you know, Steve Bannon and Trump himself. This is one of the issues he mentioned in his victory speech on election night. It was one of the only policy issues. I think there was an actual interest to do this. Um, And they got up to Capitol Hill and congressional leaders wanted to do health care and tax reform. And. They went along with that. And I think you've seen Trump come out since then and, and sort of say that he was regretful that he went down that path and he wants to no, go it what, on his own. That's right. what
1: happens when you trust Paul Ryan.
7: Well, part of it, too, is
1: because <laughs> Paul, Ryan, well,
8: the- Paul Ryan had said,
7: oh, he actually laughed when Trump proposed right. the one trillion dollar infrastructure plan. I was like, "There's not going to be a one. Tr- we're not going to spend one trillion dollars." Yeah, on- we just did a highway bill. <laughs> yeah, That's right, exactly. Not happening. And, I mean, Paul Ryan, you know, is viewing this as I staked my reputation on this guy because I wanted to repeal and replace Obamacare and get uh, those tax cuts. Right. So I, I think that Republicans, that was a return on investment from their point of view, right. which is the only reason we supported you is because we wanted the keys, uh, you know, to, to be right. able to drive the legislative agenda. But mm-hmm. now yeah. the president gets distracted, as we've said. Yeah,
8: and yes. now it might be too late to make that deal with Democrats. You know, they're starting to lose their appetite for working with Trump. They're seeing his, you know, low approval ratings. They're seeing this sinking ship, and there's not going to be a whole lot of incentive for them to work on this big no, trillion-dollar infrastructure he package. With it, that was right. upper, if,
1: I think that was a, the right moment. Uh, so, uh, uh, on infrastructure, um, the people that Democrats that I've talked to, and a lot of the labor leaders that I've talked to, um, they're not ready to jump on board enthusiastically yet for one reason, big reason, because there's infrastructure and there's infrastructure. There's one kind of infrastructure which I would call the FDR model, which is, okay, we're going to put up this money, we're going to run this program, and we're going to hire all these people to build the rebuild our roads, bridges, mm-hmm. whatever, right? And the other is, we're going to give big tax breaks to Bechtel and all these other big construction companies or and corporations, and we're going to count on them to rebuild our infrastructure. It's, that's a big difference.
8: It is a big difference. And Which
1: way is Trump going?
8: Oh, he's absolutely going towards the private sector model. That is going to be a large part of this infrastructure bill. No doubt about it.
1: Tax break for big corporations,
8: and that's why we've seen some Democrats, you know, change their tune. We saw Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who both saying originally after Trump was elected, you know, this might be an area we'd be willing to work with. And you know, they both put out scathing statements yesterday, um, bashing his air traffic control and infrastructure plan at large.
1: Yeah, because it's it's just another big tax break for corporations. At the corporations. Then you also, you can't count on them to do the same, to have the same priorities, right? Or to That's do the right. same job. That's right, and it'll
8: lead to tolling. That's the other thing. Uh, uh, yeah. you know these yeah. m- these projects that uh, private investors are going to be attracted to have to recoup their investment costs somehow. So that means user fees, mm. tollways. It's not going to be some small project in rural Nebraska. Right. It's going to be a, a large scale project that can. Bring in tons yeah. of money with tons of traffic. Right. Um, and that is a concern not just of Democrats, but of rural Republicans as well.
1: So public transportation, freeways, right, are not going to be the priority. Not so They're free, going to be right. toll roads.
8: Right. And, and that is a way to get the conservatives, the fiscal conservatives, yes. on board with the infrastructure package. I mean, when you say massive spending on transportation, you know— Republicans are not going to be jumping on board. But when you frame it as, you know, permitting reform is another aspect that is going to be included in this bill. Um, Permitting reform and the private sector model, then you start to see conservatives uh, get behind the idea. But you risk alienating the Democrats.
1: Speaking of transportation,
8: what's happening with Amtrak? Well, you know, Trump's budget proposed cutting federal support for long distance trains um, Mm -hmm. and other transportation programs. Even though Amtrak has been having problems, and in New York, they have to undergo these renovations. Um, and the Northeast Corridor is responsible for moving a wide swath right. of people and you know is responsible for so much of the commerce in this area. And without some federal help, they're not going to be able to implement the things they need to do. They're trying to implement this safety technology called positive train control. They're trying to keep their trains running on time. Um, So, you know, you are seeing quite a bit of difference between the rhetoric coming out of the White House and what they're actually proposing in some of these budget proposals.
1: It's frightening how antiquated the Northeast Carter is.
8: It is. And
3: also how proudly antiquated some people keep it. You know, (laughs) like it could be improved. Like Chris Christie. No, seriously.
1: (laughs) It could be dramatically
3: improved by like not a lot. It, It would take some money, but like we should fix this stuff up. But people are just sort of like... Ignorant about the whole idea.
7: It seems like another life when Obama was proposing that he had that ambitious plan for a high-speed rail oh, in right. the United That's what it States. Is. That's right. And now we can't even figure out how to agree on whether right. or not Amtrak should have adequate God. funding. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Forget what the high-speed rail. You know, it, 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 he didn't do anything about it either.
7: Well, he, right. There wasn't really support. There wasn't really an right.
8: appetite. Yeah, All I mean, in Congress, they they gave a couple billion to California, but they've been struggling to actually get it off the ground. Yeah. Um, Republicans are very against that project in California.
1: And wasn't it? I remember again Ray LaHood when he was a uh, transportation secretary. There were a couple of governors who turned down. I think John Kasich was one of them, but turned down was the he? money.
8: I wouldn't for, be surprised for,
1: for, for high speed rail lines. I mean, they were offered. This made sense. It might have been a, like a Chicago to I yes, don't know, Cleveland, Cleveland or right. something. You know, and they just said no. We are not. We're not interested. It was, yeah. Well,
7: no was sort of the operative response to Obama on (laughs) a lot of things. I mean, even the highway bill, it took like years just to get to the highway bill, basically in the, you know, on his his lame duck. I mean, they finally were able to pass a highway bill after Mm -hmm. a lot of consternation.
1: But, I mean, isn't it embarrassing that, I find it embarrassing, I mean, that China and Japan have these bullet trains, you know, and...
8: Well, the president himself has said that, actually. I mean, mean, that's his thing. When he goes around the world and comes back and sees these other airports and trains, Um, that's part of his motivation. But what are
1: we doing about it? Nothing, right? I mean, you're right. There's the one project underway in California which has its own problems. But that's the only place in the country. and
8: Texas is trying to – it's a private company that's trying to do it, all with private money. But they need some help. But you um, know, in terms of regulation, but even they building haven't, one of yeah. this,
1: You're talking ten years probably or so, mm-hmm. right? And we're already 2017 and these these trains over there have been operating for twenty years. I think
8: self-driving cars will come before high speed rail comes.
1: Uh oh,
7: <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah, they're already out there. There's yeah. some of
7: those are already in test
1: mode. Mm-hmm. Here's what I don't get. The 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 two people I'm glad you raised that that seem to be leading the charge for driverless cars, right? Is that mm-hmm. what you call them, driverless cars? Yeah. are Uber and Google.
8: I know. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Why
1: Uber and Google? I mean, why not GM and Ford?
8: They are. Car makers are starting to get in the game, and they're starting to partner with people. Um, you know, Lyft and Ford, I believe, or is it Volvo, have partnered together. Um, so they, they recognize these ride-sharing companies have... <laughs> A great wealth of um, products, and they can use their services. Combine it with the self driving cars. That's where they see the real money. Is so. The it's self- the that
1: technology that's driving it? Right. Driving is that the right, right. <laughs> right? Not the, not the platform or not the vehicle. Right.
7: Huh? Right. That's I mean, right. Google. You think about you know the. Navigation mm-hmm. and the mapping. I mean, that's everyone's yeah, relying yeah. on them, uh, essentially. So you could imagine that they're at the forefront of leading it because they would be the ones implementing the technology.
8: The technology software is the software. is the hardest part. the 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 outer part of the car is is not as you know difficult to put together, and that's why the software is important. That's why you're seeing the Googles right. and the Ubers and leading the, Uber the forefront. Would love to not pay drivers yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> they've already
7: had enough uh, legal problems and with you know. Deal with the way that they compensate their drivers so
1: even google i understand more than i do uber i would i think maybe is apple involved in this at all
8: they were yes they're trying um they're not they're not as far along as google but they are also in the game
3: if history is any indication apple will jump in 5 years right. after the first one <laughs> and triple the price for right. it but it'll look and really everyone and, and, every really really will have and have everybody will have one yeah yeah, yeah. that's how it's going to go
1: <laughs> You're probably right. Tim Cook is just watching. You guys work out all the kinks. Yeah, and then we'll on.
7: jump in. I mean, like, does anyone use Apple Maps?
1: No, I don't, no, I don't no. use Apple no. Maps. No,
7: Waze, Google, Google Maps. Waze. Yeah. yeah, Waze, it. Waze, yeah.
1: Yeah. Or die or die Waze. You know, we're, <laughs> we're um, shopping for a new car right now, and a, a big issue is whether or not to get GPS because Waze is so good and and it's free.
7: Yeah, yeah. And, and every, if you I get never in use the car, my car. You GPS. have to update it every few years because mm-hmm. it's not. You know, it's not going to have the most current as your phone will. Go ahead. Do you
1: have GPS in your new car? As, as a
3: matter of fact, I just got a new car.
1: Yeah. Uh, no,
3: I didn't get GPS. Is it a
7: self-driving
3: note? Well, I'll say this, though, because I'm got a. I'm, I'm a liberal okay. elitist, so I got a Prius. And I, drove a, <laughs> and I drove a Prius before this Prius that I got. And I had that one for uh, about seven years. So in the seven years since I got this, the technology has changed so much. There's, like... Sensors all around the car. There's a sonar yeah. situation that makes sure you don't get it like close to. So oh, when you yeah. set your cruise oh, yeah. control. You can set a specific distance between the car in front of you. If I swerve even slightly out of my lane and I don't have my uh,
1: yeah. blinker
3: on, it'll alert me and automatically correct me back into the lane. So it has the self parking feature. Like the the uh-huh. the advancement that we've made in like six or seven mm-hmm. years is remarkable. No. it's
1: remarkable. It we've seen that on every car we've looked at. I mean, and that comes that,
3: standard, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: standard on on these cars, and this, this, what they they almost prevent you from having an accident. Yeah,
8: I know it is. It's incredible. I mean, and that's why these self driving cars are actually you know not that crazy of an idea. We're we're starting to go in that direction. Already. So how far away are we? You know that that depends on how you classify. You know what 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 means. That were there you know is it everyone having it is it every car in the road because it's gonna take a really long time for people you just bought a car you know if self-driving cars come you're probably not going to buy another car in three years just because a self-driving car came out um but you know the goals that these manufacturers and companies have set is 2025 around then um, to have these actually available for purchase for the public um, so that's not that far off
1: where the, you you just set your where you want to go and then the car takes you there
7: uh, yep I'm one of those old school people who worries that teenagers aren't going to learn how to drive now that They're not going to know like what to do if something yeah. goes wrong or you not, know there's a malfunction. It's like you know, planes pretty much do fly themselves, but you better you still hope have that those pilots are trained if something yeah. goes wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like
7: this old hag right now. Like, oh. the kids these days are gonna just you know skirt their responsibilities at driver's ed.
1: Well, yeah, it is an exciting time, change happening so fast, and um. No infrastructure bill, however, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm i glad to hear from you that this air traffic controllers move is going to go nowhere because I am um, not. I don't think it's a good idea. I, I'm not one of those who believe that private companies can always do better than the government does in every field. Melanie, nice to see you. Thanks, Thanks so much for coming me. in at thehill.com, theguardian.com
2: for Sabrina. Have a great day, folks. we we'll see you tomorrow. This is the Bill Press Show.